A college student named Tree wakes up on her birthday in an unfamiliar dorm of a fellow co-ed named Carter. We follow Tree throughout the events of her day and discovered that she isn't exactly a nice person. She is rude to strangers and friends, has some sort of unresolved issues with her father, blows him off for a birthday luncheon, and she is participating in an affair with one of her professors, Dr. Gregory Butler. At the end of her day, she is attacked and killed by an unknown masked murderer. After being stabbed to death, she wakes back up in Carter's dorm, and her day repeats. She is stuck in this vicious cycle, each day repeating her own death. Tree must find out who is killing her and prevent her own murder in order to escape this vicious cycle. Spoilers ahead for Happy Death Day, you have been warned. Welcome back to Autopsy of a Horror Movie. My name is Brucker, and today I am joined by Dustin of the fun podcast, Dustin Can Read. Thank you so much, Dustin, for coming back on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Brucker. <laughs> if uh, if people are new to the show or missed the episode, Dustin was on the very popular Scream Special Topics episode in which Dustin, myself, and Adam of The Great American Scream talked about the opening scene to every Scream movie, and that was so much fun, and I'm very happy for you to return back to the show to talk about Happy Death Day from 2017. Yes, I'm really happy to come back, too. I love talking movies. I love talking pop culture and whatnot in general, so... And I have somebody like you who loves it just as much. It's it's fun. It's a good time. Yes. And uh, before we get any further, I want to thank uh, listener Shelly for requesting this movie, actually, uh, during my little hiatus. And I said I was taking a movie request. Uh, Shelly messaged me on Instagram and said that she would really like to hear me discuss Happy Death Day, and which was actually really funny because Dustin and I were already talking about covering this movie together at some point before Shelly even requested it and then once once that request came in I said all right we, we really got to get the, the the wheels moving on this so thank you Shelly and she could be found on Instagram at um she could be found on Instagram hosting a really fun book club called Point Horror Book Club links will be in the show notes so thank you Shelly yes thank you Shelly Shelly's a great friend and she just she's just all around good person fun person to talk to and and I, mm -hmm. I love that she I love that she reached out to you for this, and even though we were already kind of planning it. So it was pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> so Happy Death Day from 2017. This movie was directed by Christopher Landon, who did Freaky previous episode. And this was written by Scott Lobdell, mostly known for writing the 1990s X-Men Marvel cartoon series, um, which oh, I find really I interesting. That. Yeah, that is really cool. It is. So I kind of like that transition of, you know, very fun comic book cartoon show to this which st still has some like fantasy sci-fi kind of like elements in it well yeah and if you think about it, i mean like if you even look at like n the new mutants or x-men in general there's a lot of horror elements in there anyway so mm -hmm. that kind of makes sense the transition over you know i know that this this was my first time seeing this movie and i'm going to get into why it took me so long to actually see this but uh, was was this your first time seeing happy death day Yes, definitely. It was the very first time I saw it. I've been kind of wanting to see it because it did look like a fun time mm -hmm. via the trailers. It's the only way I've I'd never heard anybody talk about it. Um, and personally, I mean, you know, of course, I've seen stuff online, but uh, I just, you know, I never really heard anything about it. So I kind of just kind of put it in the back of my mind, even though it looked like it was good. And, and I mean, it warranted a sequel. So, you know, it ought to be somewhat good. Right. So, right. I just haven't had the chance to watch it until recently. Yeah, this was, I mean, I've seen a lot of people talk about this. Like, I've always heard people mention that they really liked it, which I was kind of kind of surprised that this was so well-received well before seeing it. After seeing it, I, I liked this movie a lot, and I thought it was so much fun. Um, but I was kind of like, really, that movie? Just because the trailers didn't exactly grab me, per se. Just because I was kind of lost on what the tone was, I think. Um, yeah, it was, I... I can see that. It's kind of like, I don't know. It was kind of like, um, almost felt like bubblegum horror in yeah. the trailer. If that makes sense. Like, it was just like, here you go. Here's something really easy to take, but it's fun, you know? And that's another way it kind of appealed to me. Cause as you know, I am not the biggest horror enthusiast. <laughs> I get really, you know, anxious and whatnot, especially really intense mo moments or really, really, you know, jump scare heavy things. 
and this this seemed like a you know something that I could be spoon fed a little bit, you know. Right. Yeah. And I think my biggest hesitation going into it was 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 the mask, the baby face mask. To be honest, I thought it. I still think it's kind of goofy and doesn't really entice fear in me, which was kind of why. Uh, it's it's a shallow reason, but it was why I kind of put this movie off for so long, just because like oh that kind of looks a little goofy and kind of stupid. But um, going you know watching the movie and everything, it's kind of hilarious that babies are the mascot for this college. Uh, I, know, I was like, <laughs> is, is is their mascot the Bayfield babies? Like, are they the <laughs> are they the cherubs? What are they? What is this? Like, they weren't cherubs because there weren't like wings or anything on the little cartoon babies you know that were drawn. So. What kind of what kind of college is this? <laughs> yeah, just a bunch of drunk babies. Like I don't know what <laughs> what it was trying to do. It's a very uh, surreal college campus. Uh, yeah, <laughs> or just the mascots. Like okay, your babies are okay. And that's the thing. Like everything else seems normal for like a college campus and university. It's like just this mascot that just seems off. And also, I don't think Christopher Landon is much of a sports person. Um, just also watching his commentary with freaky i think he mentioned that they had a he, he didn't know anything about like football or sports or anything like that and so i find it hilarious that they had like these masks for like the sports teams because that's just not really a thing sports teams do or like you know people wearing masks people do people do like yeah they would have the, like the face paint foam fingers yeah or flags or yeah like grease paint or you know maybe a hat or something like that but it's nothing never usually something that fully covers your face <laughs> Yes, yes. And so, I mean, that's, that's that's not like a knock against this movie. This movie is fabulous, and I really don't have everything I have for it are just like super nitpicky things, but like it doesn't detract from my enjoyment of it. It's just kind of more comical. It's like that sports fans don't wear masks like that. <laughs> right. And it kind of puts <laughs> you more in that fantasy element of the movie in a way, you know, like this like is not the real off. world. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> there's something off about this movie because look at this. <laughs> you know, this yes. is not how this happens. So my my um, opinions coming out of this movie was that it was super fun, kind of like it's like kind of lighthearted in, in a sense, but like it's also serious at times too. Um, I was it was really interesting, kind of trying to put together what sort of subgenres or just different genres in general that this movie pulls from and right. what it's kind of blending into. I kind of just wrote down this feels like a rom com. Uh, cross with a slasher movie. Yeah, it's less. I want to say yeah. I would I would agree with that because rom coms aren't like hilariously funny. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like there's some funny elements in there, or just some situational type things that happen. And it's not. It's definitely not a, a slapstick movie. You know where it's like constantly laugh after laugh. But there's some different, definite funny elements in there. That's why I was kind of like, this is a horror comedy, but it's not really funny, funny. But it's not really scary mm-hmm. either. You know, so it's kind of like. Yeah, I would get that. Uh, yeah, I would get that that rom com type thing. That would totally yeah, that fits that structure totally. And I think it's also playing or something that is also playing into that. Is that this is a, P- a PG thirteen rating. Yeah. So I feel like it, it, that kind of like keeps it in like this tamed kind of rom commy sort of feel, not in in preventing it from going full blown like you know gross out R rated comedy horror like american pie or something like that right and if they did that it would probably have to be if they still wanted to be a horror comedy they would have to be like over the top kills you know like yeah like the big fight scene in kill bill where like blood is just spewing out of like <laughs> you know orifices and <laughs> just completely just all over the place like over the top that would make it funny and easier to yeah. deal with kind of like um also like uh scream queens the tv series i don't know if you ever saw that uh the very first season of that there's a lot of like over the top deaths it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. You should watch at least the first season. The second season, nah, but watch the first season and it's totally got the sorority slasher comedy thing. And that's another, um, another, I just thought about this. So in the Scream Queen series, they have a mascot called the Red Devil who has a full blown mask. Oh. And so they ended up like the, the bad guy wears the devil mask and kills people or the mm-hmm. sorority girls and that. So you should definitely watch it. I will tell you this. Freaking um, uh, Ariana Grande, Hil- comic genius. I don't, I know, I don't know if you've ever seen her on Victorious. She was funny on that, but this one she's hilarious in. So definitely check it out. Yeah, I've seen a, I've, I've seen a couple episodes of it, and when I saw, I liked. I just, I don't know. I'm terrible with TV shows and keeping up with them, as you and I have talked about before. But yeah, <laughs> um, something else that was kind of, or another sort of subgenre feel I was getting from this is that this really felt like a 
and obviously it's a mystery, but it was also kind of like, this is like a subtle whodunit as well. Oh, yeah. It, it kind of, I don't know, it, it kind of feels like a throwback to when Scream first came out a little bit. Yeah. It kind of gives you that, it, it doesn't have as much adrenaline in it, and it's not like a constant thing, constantly going, you know, but, you know, there was constantly people dying in Scream <laughs> throughout the movie. <laughs> in this one, it's kind of, you know, it's rebooting, it's starting over, and you're seeing the day start over, staying, you know, over and over and over. But um, it has that, that whodunit aspect of, you know, where she goes through and she's trying to figure out and cross people off her list of who is doing this to me, who is trying to kill me over and over. And it, it that, that's where that element comes in where you're kind of like, you know, you as the audience are laughing, but you're kind of trying to figure it out, you know, and I think I figured it out like early on. <laughs> I won't get oh, into really? that, but I did. I figured it out. And it was one little element that got me I'm like, ah, I know who it is. Um, but uh, yeah, it was really fun to watch this this whodunit element. And you know what? Another genre it kind of goes into as well. I want to call it redemption horror. Oh, okay. So not revenge horror, but redemption horror. Yeah, because she is just a, a snobby, self-absorbed bitch at the beginning of this. And then as it goes on, she's learning how much of a crappy person she's been. And, mm. you know, and she's trying to learn how to be a good person. And she thinks basically that's how well, she's going to get out of this. And that's not what it is, but... You know, I thought that was really neat. And it's not like, it's different from um, Groundhog Day. You know, oh, yeah. it's different because in Groundhog Day, that's what it was. He had to redeem himself to mm-hmm. stop the thing over and over. And this one, you thought that's what you had to do. And that's not what it was. <laughs> <laughs> She's getting killed for a reason. And, you know, but it still had that redemption arc to it, you know. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that redemption horror. I don't know. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that idea of redemption horror. I think that's a super cool idea. I'm trying to think of like, I can't really think of other movies off the top of my head right now that will play into that. But I love that idea of centering around our protagonist or in this, like our final girl here, which I definitely want to get into if you think that she qualifies as a final girl. I have my reasonings why, but uh, I want to kind of pin that for a second. Um I really like that idea a lot because that uh, I love the idea of centering around our protagonist and that like making their like using their fears to play into their arc for like kind of like self healing yeah. as well in this and I definitely want to get into that when we get into our fear analysis. So my question is kind of fruitless because I think that she does qualify as a final girl, but my so I was going to kind of ask you about that. Uh, do you think Tree? Because I've heard people say that Tree is some of, some of their favorite like modern. Uh, one of their favorite modern final girls. I have like a specific definition for a final girl, but I'm just curious for you. Like, do you kind of see that as her being a final girl or seeing why people would, would gravitate towards her and be and her being like a popular modern one? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, because, well, A, she's a millennial, you know, or at least, <laughs> or I guess Gen Z at the same time. She's kind of in between, you know, cause the, the era it came out, but who knows? Um, but she's got that attitude about her, so that she's this generation's final girl. That's what they define a final girl as. Somebody who just stands up and does it, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that the, the traditional final girl is usually the meek girl, the one who's looked over, the one who's left for last. The killer doesn't even think of her, really, until the end. Um, <laughs> you know? And then oh, yeah, she's that's got a good a, point. She, she's the main target, yeah. Yeah, she's the main target, you know? And um, she's the one who stands up to the killer and wins, you know? and Or usually. That's usually the case. And mm-hmm. for this, you know, and it, it kind of goes along with that redemption horror thing in a way. Because the final girl, traditionally, is, like I said, this meek, kind of, you know, wimpy-type character who finally, in a way, redeems herself and stands up to the killer. In this, she's kind of that same way. She's not wimpy. She's, you know, vapid mm-hmm. in a way, but she redeems herself standing up to her. You know, she's she's playing that final girl role, or at least the 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 girl that falls down when being chased by the killer, you know, the one who does all the wrong things, and finally she redeems herself and and stands up to the guy, you know, and, and plans right. it out, you know, and gets all military and whatnot, which is cool. I do love that transition to being, like, this kind of, she she kind of like the movie starts out with her kind of being like a stock like sorority girl character i feel like and you know we kind of talked about how she she's she has a lot of uh, personal issues and demons that she has to deal with and then towards the end she kind of turns into i feel like a final girl that we people at least from have been watching slashers in the 80s and 90s something we're a little bit more familiar with like someone who's a little bit more tactile kind of like a nancy thompson from um 
uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, or uh, I was also kind of getting some like very, very, very mild, um, like Laurie Strode from Halloween 2018, especially like yeah. when she gets her get up in her ponytail or goes like full commando spying on people. Yeah, it's like she's accepted that I'm in a horror movie and I've got to do this. I'm the final girl and this is how it's going to go down. You know, that's kind of like how she's yeah, accepted that. She starts to become proactive. And it's kind of like that self-aware thing, you know, in a way. it's mm. In the movie, she's, she becomes self-aware that she's almost in a movie. She's repeating the same thing over and over. She's got to figure this out. Even at that one point where she's like, oh crap, he died. I can't kill the bad guy now or, you know, he's going to, he's not going to come back. So I got to die again. You know, she's become self-aware. She's in a movie. I think she almost, almost realizes that it's a movie, you know, mm. and, um, without saying it in so many words. I, so how, why I kind of started this conversation is because I have a very specific kind of definition for a final girl. And it's not so much like characteristics because they could be all sorts of different, you know, types and characteristics and personalities, my specific definition is that I feel like a final girl is something unique to the slasher subgenre specifically, and it's normally them, they were once part of a group of people that have been killed off and now has been left to her, but in this, it is part slasher, but she's the only target, so I feel like it's kind of in a, a very technical anal sense uh, in my definition she isn't exactly a final girl just more of a leading role just like you know leading woman in this slasher movie yeah not necessarily final girl but i do in a meta sense i think she is a final girl because she the final version that we get of tree at the end is the final girl because she has to go through so many different versions of herself through the movie that get killed off that it leads down to the one that is most capable and built towards the end of the movie that can survive it now. So in my own weird meta anal sense, yes, now she, that that is how I fit her as a final girl in this movie and how it kind of redefined it for me. Okay. Uh, well, devil's advocate to that <laughs> in saying that, you know, usually the, the final girl is not the only target. But if you think about it, Sidney Prescott was the main target and everybody else was just collateral damage to get True. to her. And then she also does that same thing where she's meek and everything. And at the end, she finally goes, you know what? I'm done with this and turns it around. Right. Which is, I guess I'll say just like the group that she was surrounded by were being picked off as well. So it was kind of like, because it was still part of Bill and Billy and Stu's plan to make it frame her dad for everything. But, um, yeah, so I I get, I get, I get what you're saying. You know what I mean? I just have a circumstantial in that way. Like, you know, it's like, well, it's similar kind of setup you know i mean it's mainly mm-hmm. her she's the one being worried and she's the one who should be worried but you know anybody around her might need to be worried too <laughs> you know mm-hmm. even though she's the only one who's aware of what's going on because she has to wake up every day with that same memory but no one else does and right. so she has to be afraid for them as well it's just like you know when um carter gets killed at one point like i said yeah you know and she's like she has a he's collateral damage he wasn't a main target but the killer went after him you know so mm-hmm can we also just talk about for a second how Carter was a pr- really likable character in this as well? I, I really liked Carter in this. He wasn't in it so much, but um, he was, I feel like that he was like a really good, um, you know, like counterpart to, to Tree. Well, he was totally this. the rom-com, you know, guy, yeah. you know, and that's another thing, rom-com. So rom-coms have final girls. Think about it. They have final girls. Okay. Explain this to me. The main character is the redemption story, like I was saying, is usually, a lot of times in rom-coms, it's usually a meek girl, you know, quiet, once the guy can't get the guy, finally kind of gets somebody, something happens, and at the end, she's got to come and rise to the occasion and finally get her, you know, her say in her own life and find her autonomy. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, all that same stuff happens in slasher flicks like that. It might not be about getting a guy, but surviving, but still at the same time, (laughs) you know, you have to rise to the occasion and change your story, your narrative to make it fit you and what you want, you know? So it's kind of the way rom-coms have final girls too. Hmm. I've never thought about it that way. They might not be called final girls. I I wouldn't call them, you know, they're not, not everybody else is dead unless it's a very different rom-com. Yeah. No, I like that, and it's still playing into that thing that you were talking about, how redemption is a big part of these types of stories. Yeah, exactly. You're just it's 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 a metamorphosis in a way. You know, you're changing yourself. You're you're making it your story and not the killer's. Or you know, mm-hmm. if you think about it, I don't know. Get a little too meta- philosophical with it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> 
let's talk about the types of fear that this movie really plays off of. Um, I definitely feel like that there is that uh, obvious one of kind of just being stuck in a rut, kind of, or, um, you know, kind of like literally, I feel like this kind of goes into two different avenues. It's also kind of like literally feeling, feeling like your life is so boring or kind of just like doing the same thing over and over and that there's kind of nothing that you can do about it. Like you're having trouble, you're having trouble seeing past something like you feel like, Oh, I'll never get that job or I'll never get to whatever sort of state that you want to be at. And you kind of just feel stuck in this cycle. I was kind of feeling yeah. that a little bit, my own little personal issues I'm going with. I always feel like I'm never going to graduate, but this movie was like really kind of tapping into things well, like that. It's kind of like that thing for, for, for those of us in the eighties from eighties kids, you know, we were always scared of quicksand. They put quicksand in like everything. <laughs> Back in the eighties, like so you ha or or mud, if you think about the never ending story and the horse drowning, you know, oh, yeah. uh, you know stuff like that. You would see quicksand in cartoons. You'd see quicksand on TV shows and stuff. And so ki kids got afraid of quicksand. And it's more about like being trapped and you can't move and you're slowly drowning. Yes. You know what I mean? And and that's almost like a physical representation of that. You know, mm -hmm. I'm I'm just I am being drowned mentally. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, there's no way I can get out of it. Suffocation in a way. You know. Yes. And the mundane, you know, and it's just, no one wants that. <laughs> no one wants something right. just blah every day. I mean, that's not life. That's not living. Right. Yeah. And I kind of felt like that this, you know, this being stuck in this cycle was definitely kind of like a fear of going into you feeling like you have no autonomy yeah. or like no, just no control. Because I feel like we, we really get, I really love that they add that little consequence of, tree that like whenever like whenever her, she dies and wakes back up she still has like the physical trauma of what previously happened to her like yeah she has like, scar like, tissues and whatnot yeah exactly so i really like that that's a really good like kind of like metaphor of how like you know if you don't take the time to kind of like self-reflect and like figure out why you're stuck in this rut you're just going to keep building up whatever sort of trauma. and making it worse Yes, exactly. So I, I really love that that uh, nice kind of like metaphor for that in this. And yeah, it also has this kind of isolation fear in it too. She's the only one reliving this day over and over. She's the only That's one. And she has to keep explaining it over and over, you know, and, and then have to figure it out. Basically, it's up to her. She has to figure this out and it's all mm -hmm. on her. And it's that just me, you know, and that's fearful as well. Like if it's only you, it's kind of like that. At one point, I was afraid she was going to get thrown into a mental institution, but that's kind of like in that sense as well. You're the only mm. one who sees the truth, you know, being yeah. all alone and then no one else sees it. And that's just, that's that scares me too. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, seeing exactly. the truth and no one else sees it. It's kind of like the, it's almost like Nazi regime type of thing going on, you know, and you're like, no, 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 <laughs> this is bad. This is bad, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess a sense of like, like you, you have this like shame and worthlessness. It's not really... She, like I said, the isolation, it kind of makes, am I up to this task? You know what I mean? Like, am I, am I, she's like, why does this keep happening to me? And she doesn't really, until she does that redemption, she just kind of, she falls into that fear of like being the victim. You know, mm. why, why me? Why me? Why me? Instead of, all right, I'm done with the why me. <laughs> and now we're just yeah. going to stop this because this has gotten out of hand, you know? And that's a lot of mental struggles as well. You know, you end up in that cycle of, blaming everybody else and not taking responsibility for how you feel, you know, mm. and working on it. And you're blaming all these external forces when actually it's all in your head, you know, it's all there for you. You've got to take care of it. So it's kind of like it balances that out in that way, I think. Yeah. I'm so happy you brought that up. Cause I had a very similar note uh, in this as well is that I felt like this was definitely, you know, the, the fear of like humiliation or shame because the tree obviously has a lot of, issues and she's not proud of the person that she's be uh, that she has become today and she she talks about that with uh carter her dad and and like her birthday is very hard for her because her, her mother who is you know, deceased they shared a birthday together and so she always kind of thinks about how her mom would not be proud of the type of person that she's become today but she doesn't really take the time to sit down and think and like reflect on that and think about what can I do to make myself feel worth and respect myself more. This cycle she's trapped in is kind of forcing her to do that a little bit, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's like that, that one time she goes around and she tells everybody and she's really nice to people and she goes, you know, and, and, um, 
she goes and sees her dad finally. You know, she's been avoiding it for most of the movie, and she finally goes to see him and talks to him and everything. And that's what made me so frustrated when that day started over again. I was right. like, you didn't even have those conversations. Ah! But it was more about her. I get it. But at the same time, it kind of makes me mad. Like, ah, oh, now the dad never knows how she opened up. And, you know, but I'm sure she did it again. But. Yeah. <laughs> it was frustrating. Oh, yeah, yeah, that definitely. was frustrating. That's also a it thing, was. you know. She's, be, you know, that, that whole, like, I'm opening up, but then I have to start over again and keep doing it over again, which is also another mental health <laughs> thing. You know, you have That's to keep really starting over, over and over again. Every day is a new day because tomorrow I'm going to feel like crap when I wake up, but I got to start over again and I got to start and make myself my day better, you know, and it's it's hard and I've got to try. You can't you hit to do it every day. It's, it's a big mental health kind of metaphor if you think about it in this movie. <laughs> That is an excellent point. Yeah, it is definitely a everything you just said—a metaphor for mental health. How every day you gotta work yourself up to that point because every day feels um, the same. You know, mm-hmm. every day feels same. nothing good's happening. It's the same stuff every day, and you've got to be the one to change it. You know, you've got to mm-hmm. be the one to step up out of your comfort zone and talk about it or do something, put some action to it. You know, that's how it works. Right. I, I love that. that. That that's such a good takeaway from this. I really Dr. Really Dustin like in the house. That's <laughs> Dustin can teach. Um, that, <laughs> um I was just kinda going to add into that I really kinda like just still going back into like the, the, the this kind of like uh, shame that she f- is carrying. Um I really like that it's kind of like this sort of self-inflicted type of fear that she's kind of given herself Mm -hmm. um and maybe you know it's in response to her mother passing that kind of like made her a little bit disconnected that i mean i don't think the movie explicitly says that but i feel like that you can kind of go there and assume that i guess um at least my head canon yeah yeah definitely but um and i like that how we we see her grow as a person in this movie and kind of healing herself through this and that's kind of like what helps her get you know get out of this rut get out of this cycle and you know i me, was thinking i'm sorry i didn't interrupt you but no, 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 go um ahead. what if she joined that sorority as a way to deal with her trauma keep her mind off of her mother's death Ooh. and it became she kind of became more vapid because of characters like danielle or you know and and just because if you saw that, just that one, one, that one part where they're eating lunch, and that one girl, the black girl Becky, I think, mm-hmm. shows up, or Becca, and um, she shows up with a full plate of food, and they bring her down, and and then you can see it on her face that even in the first one, she kind of, she's not concerned with it. She makes the comment, you know, saying, "Oh, that's a cat lady thing," but she just kind of because she's called on to do it, mm-hmm. but then after that, she stops doing it, you know, and she realized, you know, that's not her. This whole sorority life is not her. She became this. Oh yeah, she she's kind of like become a, a mirror of them. She's just kind of like absorbed the the type of energy and vibes that they were giving off, and now she's kind of just become that. Yeah, had she been more like her mother, maybe some of the stuff didn't wouldn't have happened. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she took after her sorority girls. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think like the the thing I was going to bring up was that uh, you know we see growth of her throughout this, and the thing that stuck out to me so much was showing that she is having a real arc besides like the montage of her you know going through her her, her morning walk and like stopping this like getting the people out of the sprinkler signing the little uh eco-friendly petition thing and you know she's helping all these people the thing that stuck out to me the most to be like oh wow she is learning to be selfless is when she decides to kill herself to save carter yes carter died and she goes oh if i survive this day he's dead forever i I, I gotta I gotta take the leap and and you know end my life to restart it just to bring him back. And, and this is after was... she knows all this trauma is still sticking around mm-hmm. in her body, which was a, mm-hmm. in a way it's pretty self it's really selfless. She knows it was in like it to me it's like one of the most powerful points of the movie in, in my opinion. It stuck out to me the most and um, it it really showed you know again she's being selfless. It's also this guy that. She, she's kind of, in like a funny way, has grown to know him better, even though he hasn't grown to know her, you know, day after day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but still, in essence, she doesn't know too much about Carter. And she, besides just knowing that he's a nice guy. And so she, I, I really, it was just really cool to see how much growth she had at this point in the movie. Um, it, it was good. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I did too. Do you think that Carter was a Mary Sue? Um... I don't think so. Do, do you? Well, he was just kind of like that 
the perfect guy just fell in her lap kind of thing. You know, he's he's a cute guy. He seems to be nice. He's really respectful. He's loyal right off the bat. Like everything is perfect about him. See, it's funny that um, that a guy. I don't know. To me, he's just like is this movie's kind of like, hey, this is like a decent human being. He won't take advantage of a girl that's under the influence or whatever. And it's kind of just like that should be the default, right? That you shouldn't do things like that but now it's kind of like for us you know just because it's he seems extreme on one side when it's like really that's how people should just be oh i agree i agree and maybe the cynical side or whatnot but i mean plus you have these types of movies everybody usually has an agenda of some sort and some you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and he just seems like he's supposed to be there to be there as a nice guy there's no big agenda for him and i'm sure you know the audience is supposed to go is he one of the killer you know is he a killer you know that's obviously he's thrown in there for that and maybe his per- nice personality is throwing us off you know that kind of thing but at the same <laughs> oh, that time that would have been such a twist if he was the killer oh my goodness yeah but i mean you're kind of waiting for it i was like you know hmm, i don't know but he seems just way too perfect you know and you know especially like the joke at the end you know <laughs> and i don't want to get into that yet but yeah but uh I, I just feel like, you know, he was just a little too perfect to be there. Like, he needed a little more. There needed to be something more about him, I think. And maybe there maybe is in the sequel, but, you know. To be fair, we're only we're still only getting one 24-hour cycle with him. So we're exactly. not really able to have time to see where his flaws are. Uh, to be fair, I'm pretty sure he has some weird quirks, right? Like, he leaves the toilet seat up, I'm sure. I don't know. but <laughs> He pisses on the rim. You know, that's how it works. He's a really bad tipper. <laughs> he over tips, like, too much. <laughs> that's his character flaw. He's that nice. <laughs> he is broke. <laughs> the, uh... Well, actually, the scariest aspect, like I said, was kind of the unknown. Like, why is this all happening? You mm-hmm. know, that's that's a scary aspect, was, at least for the character, you know, in, in general. The whole aspect, why is this happening? This never escaping, um, repeating the same day over and over, over and over is horror in itself. If you look at just Groundhog Day, that would be just Bill Murray's Groundhog Day as just a regular drama. That would be scary as crap, having to repeat the same thing over and over and not knowing how you get out of it. You know, mm-hmm. that in itself. You start but, to think you're a god or something. Yeah. Like, like how he does. What yeah. What's going on? Like, am I in my head? Am I going nuts? You know, that kind of thing. Mm. You know, that's mm-hmm. scary. But as far as like specific scenes, um, I would say, I, 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 surprisingly, I didn't really do any jump scares. It wasn't that bad. I guess maybe because it was PG-13. It wasn't so bad, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I, can you really call it a horror film if there's not really any blood or guts? Like, It's really just like a thriller. The, yeah, it's really like more of a th- thriller. Yeah, it's really just the fact that she keeps dying over and over, even though we don't see the point of death. Uh, Christopher Landon was exactly. very specific in not showing that because he thought, uh, in watching the some of like the bonus features on the DVD, which I recommend everyone do for any movie, um, he said that he that was purposeful. He didn't want to sh- he he in his own in his head in this world that split second right before death is where it resets so she never like really she so she got like the trauma but never like actually died i guess i don't know but well, it's kind of like when was she was waking up from the dream you know when you have a dream that you're about to die you wake up right before you die so maybe that's kind of what it was it's almost like she was trapped in this dream thing to where she has to wake up i also wonder if it's like a budgetary thing because this this movie only had a budget of 4.8 million which is something that uh, blumhouse does they like here's here's five million or less make it happen um, and this movie made over 125 million in, at the box office, so you know it was a hit. But I also wonder if it was like a kind of budgetary thing. Like, oh, we don't have it's not in the budget to show a bunch of gore effects, so it's to show mm-hmm. right up before it. So that kind of like writes out of it, which that probably is clever. A factor. Yeah, which is clever. Yeah, yeah, it's, you, know, you had to be you know, every. But you know what? A lot of the times, the great slashers or the great horror movies always had to be clever with their budget, and they end up being so good, so better without all the special effects or all the extra stuff, you know? It's the imagination that's what gets you. That's a great point. Yeah, the the, the the director and the creatives are forced into a corner and, like, plan their way out of it instead of just, oh, we'll, we'll add it in post, we'll add it in post, we'll add it in post. Right, yeah. and, or they're like, okay, we're going to do this, but the audience will figure this out. It's going to be in their heads, and they're going to figure And that's the point that's scary. The audience is the one that creates the the terror in their head and their mind, you know, it's like mm-hmm. the un, like I said, the unknown, you don't know what's going to happen. Why is this happening? You know, that's, that's what's scary. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I was saying, as far as like scenes, 
um, I would not say like scary. I would say more creepy. But um, I would say like uh, the first kill, the, the tunnel scene where she finds the music box with playing Happy right. Birthday. That was good. It was a good setup of should she go this way? Should she go this way? You know, like uh, where, kind of choose your own adventure. Yeah, um, that and then the whole uh, the scene where she's locked herself in her dorm room and then somebody's turning off the TV and she's, mm-hmm. she's someone's either in the closet or in the bathroom. You know, and I also didn't realize how much of a clue this was to, to yes. like what was going on. I, it just completely glazed over me i was such a numbskull watching this for the first time because <laughs> we'll get to it we'll get to it well and, and i mean and it's all all these situations really and like being trapped in the car in the police car mm-hmm. you know and knowing somebody's coming to get you you know oh man oh that's just being trapped in general like you cannot this whole movie is her being trapped you know trapped in the mm-hmm. day over and over and it's just like ah it's it's frustrating it's scary it's you know everything all together yeah, the, the the scene that, like, felt the most in line with, like, a horror, because I think we kind of talked about this movie is really fun, and lots of rom-com elements, but the thing that felt more of, hey, we're going to take a little break, this stretch of the movie's going to be straight-up horror, is, like, the garage chase scene. She, she escapes from the hospital, he chases her to the garage, and she eventually escapes and gets arrested, but then blows up. It's got all that slasher that. chase scene yeah. in it, yeah. Yes, yes, all of that was pretty, you know, like, uh, just you know, pound or, or what am I trying to say? Uh, pulse pounding, heart pounding. <laughs> thank you. Yes, pulse pounding action. Yes, thank you. I couldn't. Get, my tongue got twisted. Um, yeah. So all of that was because you know, I was like, oh my goodness, like she has to like get her car, but like be quiet about it. And like the whole time, I was just like, just walk out of the garage. Like he'll just keep like he will just like keep end- endlessly looking for you in the garage, or she, he or she, whatever you want to think about. Don't it. But stop yeah, the car. Don't beep the car. Don't do anything. And I'm like, oh, you dumb it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And then when she like finally was able to like just get out of there, it's like, oh thank God, Woo, we're fine. And uh, yeah, my heart just sank when she got pulled over. It's like no, she was so close. What she was celebrating too early. You never celebrate. Killer <laughs> <laughs> the the do not celebrate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's like the new rules now. That's part of the new rules. Do not celebrate getting away from the killer. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. you're about to die then. As I mentioned earlier, my, I think my favorite death was her uh, when she hanged herself. Which that's such a dark sentence I just said, but that was my favorite death. And this is when she uh, decided to end her life to save Carter uh, for lots of reasons I talked about. The, the emotion behind it is like what led it to be my favorite part of this, mm-hmm. um, or fa- favorite death in her sequence of deaths. Um, I will say one of like the one of the very cool uh, like visually uh, deaths that we got though was. When she was hit in the head with a baseball bat, and we get that really awesome slow mo transition of her being hit with the bat, and then it slowly transitions into her head falling on the pillow, and then she wakes in the up. Dorm room, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was beautiful. I love that. That was really cool. I like that. Um, and now it's the same thing when the car exploded, and she opens her eyes, and you see the explosion in her eyes. Oh yes, yes. That yes. she's waking up from that explosion of a dream. Oh yeah. Ooh, mm-hmm. I do like some of the transitions. Yes. Yeah, the transitions were, were good in this. And they had to, you know, they had to, like, keep it also interesting for the audience because we don't want to feel like we're stuck in monotony with with, with, with Tree. And, you know, they talked about how, how to do that and everything. But, yeah, so I liked how all, like, the little tiny quirks that they did for that was good. Oh, when she got drowned and she sped up water when she woke up. Yes, yes. That yeah, one's that was like, good. see, this is real. <laughs> this is mm-hmm. happening. You're spitting up water. This happened. <laughs> Also, imagine being Carter in that sense. Like, she just woke up and just vomited water. What happened? <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, did you drink something I didn't see? Like, wow. Yeah. yeah. It was crazy. Oh, I wanted to talk about the cast a little, if that's okay. Yes, please. Yes, please. Let's talk about the cast. So I don't know Jessica Roth at all. I've never seen her in anything. I don't know if this is her first thing Same. at all. Um, but you know, she reminds me of Anna Lynn McCord. Do you know who Anna Lynn McCord is? No, I do not. Who is she? She was on the 902, the reboot of 90210. She was mm-hmm. also kind of, I think maybe probably, have you ever seen the movie Fired Up? Yes. Yes, I have. She was the quote unquote bitch at the head cheerleader of the other one who did like the rare with her hands. That thing oh. they did. She was the main girl. <laughs> that, that reminds, she reminds me. Jessica Roth reminds me so much of Anna Lynn McCord. So if you go back and look her up, you're like, she, there's so much, like, when they first came out with this trailer, I thought it was Anna Lynn McCord. They look similar. They had that same kind of, the characters similar to the other characters that Anna Lynn McCord plays. I don't know. But I also <laughs> like um, 
the fact that they put uh, the guy who they had playing Carter. Mm-hmm. He was from uh, To All the Boys I Loved Before. Oh, no way. That that Netflix movie? Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, he played one of the boys she had fallen for that had actually ended up falling for her sister, and he lived next door. Uh, his name, oh, okay. his real name is Israel uh, Broussard. Israel Broussard, yeah. Yeah, and so he played the kid next door, and I was like, oh, he's a cute guy when I was watching that, and then I saw him in this. I was like, oh, I love that guy. He kind of plays the same type of character. Mm-hmm. Just that every boy next do- the boy next door type, you know, just you know, good guy, just you know, lighthearted, nothing really, not malicious, not you know, very well intended type character, and I really like that character. Those are the two cast members I want to talk about, but I want to talk about the characters, especially the doctor. Oh, Gregory Butler. Yeah, just like, what the hell? Uh, like he was a horrible person. I kind of, I almost wanted it to be him, and I thought for the longest time it too. was going to be him. Because mm-hmm. I was like, you know, he's got to be the bad guy. He's such a sleazeball. Mm-hmm. And then you find out, yeah, he is a sleazeball. And yeah, because his his sleaziness is on like multiple layers. Besides just have cheating on his wife, he's sleeping with a student, and it's, it's just it's just so it, it is all of it's just gross. Oh, and, and the bad. fact that when she breaks it off with him, he goes, "Well, you're not going to fly by my class anymore." I'm like, so yeah. you're holding that over her now too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's not a good person. I'm like, I don't think you should say that to somebody who knows what your penis looks like and can tell your wife. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't say something like that. Like, you're not going to fly by my class. Like, yes, the hell I am. <laughs> or your wife and finds out. I wish that they played more into at least him being more of a red herring. Because they show that he had one of those masks in his drawers, but that kind of went nowhere. Yeah, you assumed it was him in the hospital for a while there. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. that just goes away. It just goes mm-hmm. away. It just gets dropped. I'm like, why didn't she like mention anything? I think it might be him, you know. And but then, yeah, he gets. Well, that's right. He gets killed right away, right after she sees that mask. Yeah. So did uh, did you happen to watch the alternate ending to this? No, I didn't actually. So there's an alternate ending to this. It ends with her surviving the day, kind of. So she survives the day. She's in the hospital, and it ends with Gregory's wife. It's her nurse. And she poisons Tree, and that's how the movie ends, with Tree dying by Gregory's wife killing her. Who would have thought that was a good ending? No, no, it, that, that's not a good ending like at who, all. Like, really, even the writer, come on now. Like, that's yes. not a good ending? <laughs> it's not. It's not. I guess they're like, it would be scary because she's still stuck in the cycle. But no, it's just, it, no, it, it's, it's not a good take home at all. No, no. I bet you they'll probably, they might, I wonder if they're going to do any more of that in the sequel. Ooh, I don't know yet. Dustin and I have not watched the sequel yet, which we have a cool announcement at the end of this about that. But yeah, so I'll be interested to see if that plays into that at all. Or I have a feeling it was maybe that, like, you know what, this movie would, this movie is going to do really well. So just go ahead and leave room for a sequel and not end it on that weird note. Um. <laughs> That's true. You know, and maybe yeah. they, they use that scene somehow in the sequel. You don't know, you know, mm-hmm. Re- rework it somehow. I agree with everything you said. I love the casting in this. Just one little jokey note I had was that the whoever they had playing her dad, his face looked like they modeled his face to be the baby mask in this movie. It oh just looks so similar. He, <laughs> he has a huge a, forehead. Yeah, huge forehead, wimpy face. Like it just didn't. I'm like, who cast this dad? This is not her dad. You know, <laughs> baby he, dad. he's a wimpy dad. You know, and she's not a wimpy person. <laughs> I mean, look at it. You just like his stature. I'm not saying his face. I'm just everything about him just screamed, you know, not really authoritative. I don't know. Like he just yeah. roll. Maybe her mom must have had the, you know, quote unquote, wore the pants. You know what I mean? Like, um, mm-hmm. but that's the only thing I could think of. Like, he just doesn't seem like her dad. It just seemed like he they seemed threw a, a guy soft. in there to be a dad role. And that's it. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know, it felt but, weird. Yeah. Every time we sh- they showed his face, I just kept going, God, he just, he looks just like the baby. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Elmer Fudd? What's going on here? <laughs> So for the message of this movie, I felt like that we've kind of gotten into this, but um, I really felt like that this was a story about learning to respect yourself and others and learning to be selfless and learning from mistakes in general is kind of like the take home from this is what I was getting. Yeah, I get that. I agree with that. Um, I think the other takeaway is pay attention. Pay attention to how you treat others and how other people take the way you treat them. Because if you're not paying attention, you can see it on their face. If you said something you might have thought was fine, but it comes off, you know, crappy to them. You know, you can see it. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sorry, what did I do? Did I say something wrong? You know, just make sure they know you care. (laughs) Be self-aware. Be self-aware of everything around you. That's, I don't know. 
Maybe that's just mm-hmm. me being, quote unquote, I hate saying OCD, but you know what I mean? Like, because that's a real disorder, well, but. It's, it's kind of like, you know, like the Michael Scott syndrome, you know, just like read the room, dude. Like, <laughs> read the room. Like, so, okay, can we get into the fi- the final part of the movie as far as please, like. Please, please, please. So it's very obvious to me the reason why I was like, from the beginning, I, I had a feeling that it was going to be her roommate. Okay. Because she was being the one, that, the only one who had acknowledged her birthday right off the bat. Mm, and she threw okay. it away flat out. I was like, oh, that would piss me off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, is that good enough to kill somebody? I don't know. But, and then, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, mm-hmm. that would tick me off. That might be motive right there. And then she you seems like. You spit my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but like, she just takes the cake, you know, cupcake, blows up the candle, throws it away, you know? And then another time she sets it down. She just doesn't, doesn't acknowledge this girl. But the thing that made me realize that it was her was when she was trapped in the cop car and she dropped that birthday candle to hit like the gas. And I went, it's the roommate right there. Birthday I'm candle. I'm so stupid. I am so stupid. When that happened, that was not my thought. My thought was like, oh, this is just birthday theme to the max. Like everything is birthday theme is this. Not not that, that that's because it was the, taking the literal candle from the cupcake that she wouldn't eat. But it was a different colored candle too, which was funny because I looked when they went back oh, to that it? scene, it was a completely different candle. One of them was striped and one of them was just solid red. But I just Detailed knew Dustin. from the cupcake and I went, it's got to be her. It's the damn candle. She's the only one who had a candle in this whole damn movie. <laughs> it's got to be also, her. Do you also think that I want to talk about like the the cover of this of this uh, of the Blu-ray? It's it's a cake. I also felt like it was like a kind of like an Easter egg of what's going on in this movie because it's yeah. the cupcake that was poisoned and it's a cake that is the the cover of of this. I felt like that was like an Easter egg for that. Yeah, it totally was. You know and. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that a lot. How they they do they love when they do that with movies, and you're like, it's right there in your face. It told you right there mm-hmm. from the beginning. You know, hint, hint, hint. Mm-hmm. I will say though, like I side with Tree on this when she goes really over a guy. <laughs> <laughs> because for those of you who don't know who haven't watched the movie, I know I'm hate, I'm spoiling this for you, but. Um, her roommate ends up being the person setting her up. She tries to poison the cupcake, so Tree keeps throwing the cupcake away. So the roommate has to figure out another way to kill her, you know, kill her. So she, mm-hmm. there's this, this convict that's being held at the hospital. She helps this convict escape and puts him in Tree's path every time. So he gets, she gets killed over and over. Oh, see, that was not my reading of it. My reading was that, so her roommate, Lori, was trying to kill her with the cupcake, but Tree threw it away every time. So her backup plan was that Lori dressed up as the baby and killed her, but she also let that lunatic loose with the same costume. So everybody would think it was him that killed her, not that she was leading him. There were some times where they crossed paths, but sometimes it was Lori in the costume because they did show a flashback of Lori taking the mask off when she killed a tree at the fountain during the montage. Yeah. So that was my reading of it. That's true, and you know, at the same time, though, I had to think, okay, so who was in the room? You know, that one scene where she had locked the door, put the dresser in front of it, nailed the window shut. The roommate had left at that point. How did somebody get in that room? Is what I want to know. See, I think I think it's her roommate Lori, because her, because if I remember correctly, her roommate told her, because because um, Tree's telling Lori that like she doesn't feel safe, she wants to stay home, and she said, yeah, you should just stay home for the night, and mm-hmm. then she pretends to leave, but stays in the bathroom, knowing that she's going to barricade herself in the room. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yes. Either way, though, even if she didn't do it, she probably could have somehow gotten that guy in, but he probably would have killed her. So, no, yeah, he wouldn't have. He wouldn't have gone. She wouldn't be like, hey, don't kill me. I've got other people you can kill. Just wear this mask. She didn't talk to so him and have it. Sm- out. Smokes and mirrors, man. Just look over here at this dude, look and I'm going no, to do shiny my thing over here. You know. Um, <laughs> it's also like a fun. It's also like another fun kind of like scream reference too. Is that like there's two killers, but which one is it? Who's doing what um, when? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's watch. I watched. I I gotta be honest. I didn't watch the whole interview, but uh, just because I was trying to learn how to pronounce everyone's names. But um, <laughs> uh, I watched an interview with uh, Jessica Roth, and she said she described this movie as a rom com crossed with scream. It's specifically Scream. And I really got that with some of the stuff that we talked about and also just the fact that it could have been two killers at, at some point, depending which which version of Tree you got. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true, especially when multiple people were getting killed, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that kind of leads me to question, like, so, all right, we figured out who the killer was in this, and then it stops the cycle, right? Yeah. 
how are we starting up with part two? That's the part I'm like, how is this getting set up? You know, I saw the trailer yeah, I, for part two and it looks like it starts off where it left off. Mm-hmm, it picks yeah. up right where it left off, but ooh, you know, I'm excited how, to see part two. And I'm hoping that it actually maybe explains why she's reliving the same day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope so too. That'll be, I'll, you know, I'll be okay. I'll be okay if we don't get an answer to that. I would like one, but I'll be okay if we don't. Well, I want the answer because... <laughs> I want answers, damn it. I want answers, but there's a reason. Because think about it. In Groundhog Day, you know the reason why he's waking up every day. He's got a, like I said, redemption storyline. He's got to change his life. In this one, she changes and makes herself not... And then she starts the day over again, you know, and it just mm-hmm. keeps going. And it isn't until she figures out who the killer is that her day stops restarting. So is, what was the point mm-hmm. of that? Who put her under this? You know what I mean? Like, why does she need to keep seeing it? Because she's not like a... Even at the beginning, it would be different if she was like the the typical final girl, the meek girl and stuff who keeps waking up and has to like rise to the occasion because that would be like, okay, the the mystical universe takes sympathy on this meek girl and wants her to do better, you know, but why are we doing this with this vapid snob, you know, mm-hmm. why would the universe do that to her? So there's got to be something behind it. Great and I'm point. thinking that's going to yeah. happen in part two, that we find that right. in part two. I hope so. Thank you, Dustin, so much for coming on. Uh, everybody, please go follow Dustin. Uh, is your Instagram handle Dustin Can Read? Yeah, uh, Dustin Can Read on Instagram or on Twitter, Dustin underscore Holden, H-O-L-D-E-N. Um, and you can find, you can actually reach out to me at DustinCanReadPod at gmail.com. And you can find Dustin Can Read on pretty much any pod service. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Dustin. Everybody, please go follow him and be sure to follow me on Instagram at Brucker Horror. That's kind of my landing page for everything where I like to put fun posts, uh, episode posts. And on those episode posts, you can continue the dialogue with us and comment in those below. Let us know your thoughts, uh, which, which, uh, which tree kill was your favorite from this. And I'm also like to announce that we are going to be covering um, Happy Death Day to you, but we're going to be doing it in a very different way. Dustin and I, we're going to be doing a commentary track for Happy Death Day to you. We will be watching the movie and commentating over it, and that track will become available for y'all, so y'all can watch the movie with us. I am super excited to do that. Oh, I am too. Oh man, I'm gonna have so much fun. I'm gonna probably have to get a little inebriated when I watch it the first time, so we can do this commentary, (laughs) so I can come up with some really good, funny things to say. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) yes, I I might come up. I might try to come up with a couple of drinking rules for for games for everybody. But I'm really, really looking forward to doing a commentary track for Happy Death Day to you. So be sure to uh, look out for that release as well. Thank you so much for having me on, Brucker. Thank you so much, Dustin. And thank you, Shelly, for requesting this movie. If you have a request, hit me up on Instagram or send me a request via email at bruckerhorror at gmail.com. And I will be sure to shout you out during those episodes. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you next time with Dustin when we do our commentary track for Happy Death Day to You. Bye. Bye.